Good morning. Do you all always look this good on Saturday morning? Um, I'm a short girl. I might have to stand over here. Can you all see me right here? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I know you can see me. Just, just kidding. Okay, let me get all situated here. Um, I, when I got into my mid-40s, I decided that um, I had to carry a fan with me everywhere I went for obvious reasons. And I usually bring my own fan. Jill knows that. Um, when I'm at her place, I, I carry my own fan. There are a couple of places where I go regularly where they just already have a fan sitting up over here <laughs> for me. And so I guess I, I've earned that reputation. But anyway, I forgot my fan when I left Atlanta yesterday. And uh, Miss Brown said, oh, goodness, I am just creating havoc up here. I'm so sorry. She said, oh, she said, my daughter gave me a fan. It fits on the end of your phone. Have you all seen these? Is it okay if I tell them about this? Like, she will never get this back, you know? You just plug it into your phone right there. Isn't this thing amazing? That is a lot of air. So if I just stand here like this, you'll know I'm way past the mid-40s. I am past the mid-50s. I just had my 60th birthday this year, and I'm still carrying a fan. I'd gone to the um, eye doctor a while back, and... You know how it is, they pull those big lamps up over you like this whenever they're, you know, I, I said, I, I just have a hard time seeing even, even you know, the things that you're having me look at. It, it just seems dark in here. And he, so he, pulls, he pulled that big lamp up over my shoulder. He said, now can you see better? I said, I can, but I'm already carrying a fan everywhere I go. I can't possibly carry a lamp, too. <laughs> so we're going to have to figure something out. But I am so glad to be here. I enjoyed hearing Amy this morning. First time I had heard Amy, but we can relate. I think we're kindred spirits already. And I was thinking when she was talking about how strong her mom is, um, I tell my mom, I said, Mom, you just better pray for me that, you know, everything goes well. I turn out right. Jury is still out on that. I know I'm getting older. However, everything I am really is pretty much because of you. I had a wonderful mom and dad, but my mom is just tough, even to this day. Uh, when I told her this week, I said, Mom, can you believe you have a daughter that's 60? She said, what I can't believe is that I have to be 20 years older than you, is what I can't believe. <laughs> and, um, but she was tough. If she goes to, um, she went to Walmart one time. I was with her and, you know, checking out at the register, and she's, all, she's a talker. She's just very friendly, very outgoing, and she's a talker. And she asked the cashier, she said, uh, are you having a good day? And the cashier said, uh, no, actually it's a terrible day. I'm not having a good day. And my mom said, oh, sure you are. You're six feet above ground. Some people didn't make it through the night. You're doing fine. So, mom, come with me. I'm going to have to turn my fan off. Anyway, this right side of me gets hot, but that is going to make too much noise. I'm going to leave it down here so I can still feel it. Does that sound better without that? Okay. It is my privilege to be here. I've been looking forward to it. I know um, that some of you came a long way this morning, and now you're getting hungry. Okay, we'll try this. Does everybody have a copy of the lesson for this session, My Daily Attitude? Lunch is at 1220, and I can promise you I will be there, which means you will be there too. But this is what I'd like for you to do just as we get started. Do you see across the top of that it has A, B, C, D all the way to Z? There are 26 letters in the alphabet. I would like for you to put a number starting at 1 to 26 underneath each of those letters. Would you do that for me? Doesn't have to be really pretty. Just scribble a number underneath there, under each letter, all the way to 26. 
I learned these kind of things from working with teenagers because everything is in code with them. So you learn to read all their little notes, you know. Okay, if you take the word attitude and take the, the number that you put underneath the letters for A-T-T-I-T-U-D-E, can you total that up for me right quick? Do you all need your calculator? It's on your phone. Okay, what number did you come up with? Oh, yikes. Okay, good. Okay, good. 100. Um, it should be 100. I can tell you this. Um, you must have skipped a T or something like that. Yeah. Um, Says so T is 20. Uh, attitude makes a 100% difference in your whole life. There is no way to shortchange that. It makes a 100% difference. You know what? We're, we are all so different. We're all here. We're all female. We have that in common. Beyond that, we are also totally different. Some people are tall. That's what I want to be. I was actually wondering when I was sitting down there, I thought, are they going to be able to see me behind that pulpit? I'm short. Um, some people are tall, wanting to be short. Some are short, wanting to be tall. Some are blonde, wanting to be brunette. Brunette wanting to be blonde. I always wanted long, long legs. Didn't get those. Um, but the thing that makes us uh, common, I think, besides being women, is that we can all have an attitude some days. Now, you're looking at me like it never happens to you. Okay. Would you just let me know that you're on the same page with me? If you have ever in your life at any time had an attitude about anything, would you raise your hand? Okay, okay, that's what I thought. You all look so great on Saturday morning sitting out there. I'm going to have to turn this off um, because I think it's bothering you and me both. I do love this, but it is making a noise even underneath there. You can't hear it? Oh, wonderful. Okay. <laughs> it's this side of me that heats up. I have My body produces too much histamine. I think the sound man can hear it produces too much histamine, and this right side is the side affected. So y'all don't worry, I won't pass out. I love to talk. I can just talk longer with the fan. Okay, but we're all... Okay, don't let me forget my phone and the fan. Um, but we are all so different, and yet so much alike. Um, our thoughts are on a roller coaster. Are you like me? Do you ever have noble thoughts, high thoughts, and then probably within the hour... Okay, you just hit the bottom of the roller coaster, and where did that thought come from? That doesn't sound spiritual at all. Our emotions are on a roller coaster. Our faces are riding the roller coaster with our emotions and our thoughts. Um, do this for me. You all know about emojis, yes? Okay. Um, they almost all start out with, like, the colon on the typewriter, like the two dots. Would you just put those right there, the two dots on your paper? Just put it somewhere, Okay. Okay, do you know how to make a smiley face out of it? What do you do? You put that right parenthesis mark. What if you want to make a frowny face? Can you do that? Two dots, and then the left parenthesis mark. What if you want to go, ooh, what do you do? A straight line, or a capital I turn sideways, or whatever that would be. If you want to make a big mouth smile, do you know what you do? Two dots, and a capital D, okay? If you want to wink at somebody, what do you use instead of the colon? 
See, you all know this, but this is what's happening in our day and time. We are all saying what we want to say on our phones or sending a text to somebody, and then we put an emoji. Do you know why we do that? Because if you just read words, you don't really know what spirit that was sent in. And so we put those emojis so people will really know what we're actually feeling when we say the words. I can tell you this. While we're talking about attitude today, keeping it, keeping it sweet, I love that thing. Um, I can tell you this. Your heart and your face are very connected. And I'll show you what I mean. Would you just wipe the smile completely off of your face? I'll have to give you a minute to do that. Oh, you all are pretty good. Okay. Now, would you look, without making a grin at all, would you look to the person beside you and say, good morning. (laughs) You're laughing. You can't do that. Okay. Just look to the person beside you and say, good morning. I think that might be causing I can do that. Well, the next part of that was going to be put a smile on your face and say good morning, but you all have already done that, so let's try that one more time. Wipe the smile completely off of your face. Completely off of your face. Try it one more time. And look at the person beside you and say, good morning. Well, the good thing about this crowd is you obviously, you obviously are good-spirited. And I could tell that from the very beginning when I came in. I thought, when I get to this part, they are not going to be able to do this. And you are not. I am so sorry, but it is such a roar. It is really a roar up here. So I don't know if it's something I'm doing or maybe it's this microphone. In. Oh, it is. Let me shut it off for you. That would be great. Okay. Can you all hear me now? Without the roar? Oh, great. I'm still roaring. Okay. Well, attitude plays such a major role in everything that we do. I actually, when I was getting this lesson ready, was in Charleston, South Carolina, and on the table where I had gone to eat that day, there was a card with this saying on it. Uh, I think I may have put it on your paper. It says, the longer you live, the more you realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude is more important than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. Life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. Now, what I'd like to do today is give you three biblical examples of women from totally different places in life. Luke chapter 1. The first lady we're going to talk about just for a second is Elizabeth. Most of you know Elizabeth. She was the mother of John the Baptist. Now, I'm just going to ask you how you would feel about giving birth to a child that is going to roam around in the wilderness in a loincloth and eat grasshoppers. I'm just telling you, 
She started out her life old and barren. And I can tell you this, if I were old, barren would be the thing I'd be longing for. I can tell you that right now. Um, my mom just sent me a text this week and said, oh, the pastor's wife that had a baby at, at 59, do you recall? I said, yes. She said, oh, well, she has twins now at 64. I said, mom, how is she doing that? I don't understand that. Anyway, old, I would prefer to stay barren, but of course, I don't know what Elizabeth was going through, but would you look at... Luke chapter 1, verse 6, talking about Elizabeth and Zacharias. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless, and they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. But they were righteous before God, walking in all of the commandments. This is Elizabeth too. Even though she was old, married, barren, still doing everything right, just like she knew that she should do. Okay, now turn over for just a second to verse 26, or it may be on the same page with you, and this is Mary, the mother of Jesus. In verse 26, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou, among women. And so this is Mary, the mother of Jesus. So the first one, Elizabeth, was old and married and barren. Mary is going to have a baby, and she's not married. She's young and she's poor. Now look over at chapter 2, just kind of introducing these ladies to you. Look at chapter 2 and look at verse 36. This is after Jesus is born, and they take him to the temple. And in verse 36, it says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, 84 years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Do you see the common denominator with these ladies from totally different walks of life? Totally different, but exactly the same attitude. And it was the attitude that was one that the Lord could bless. You know, the one that intrigues me the most is Mary, the mother of Jesus. What kind of personality do you think she would have had? I'm thinking the family dynamics would have been a challenge. You have one child, your firstborn is perfect. And the others that came along after Jesus was born, what a challenge that would have been. Now, how many of you are firstborns? Would you raise your hand? And we're perfect, right? We're just following in the steps of Jesus. Mm -hmm. How many of you are the baby of the family? Would you raise your hand? And you all are spoiled rotten. We all know that. The firstborns know that the babies are spoiled, but we love you. You're the ones that provide the entertainment for the family. Uh, But I've just imagined what Mary, uh, what her personality might have been like. Well, I mean, we kind of know about her character because out of all of the women living or that had lived or that would live, the timing was perfect and God chose her to be the mother of Jesus. So we know that says a lot for her, but what kind of personality she might have? I think I have a clue that she was kind of spunky. Now, I've not heard that said before, and I'm just going out on a limb, and Lord, I hope I have this right. But I think I can prove it. Would you look back at chapter 1, verse 46? 
And this is after Mary finds out that she's going to give birth to the Savior. In verse 46 in chapter 1, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Watch this. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. She just went ahead and put it out there. I'm having baby Jesus, and from now on all women are going to say that I'm blessed. I think she might have been just a little bit spunky, but if that doesn't prove it, I can just picture Mary using her hands to talk. I think she probably did. I think she was probably animated, probably fun to be with, serious when she had to be, fun when she had to be. But I'll tell you the story that I love, one of my favorites. Do you remember when Jesus and Mary had gone to the wedding in Cana of Galilee? And they ran out of wine at the wedding. And uh, Mary went to Jesus and said, they've run out of wine. Can't you do something about that, basically? And Jesus said to her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mm -hmm. You remember the story now? Do you remember what Mary said back to Jesus when he said that? She just looked at him, and then she turned to the servants and said, whatever he says to you, just do it. I can just see her as being a little bit spunky. You know, God makes different personalities. What if we were all exactly the same? My husband says if he had married any of my sisters, I've tried to tell him that I'm the one that talks the least in the family. I didn't think I had convinced him until this week my sister stayed with us for a while. And when she left, she's the baby of the family. And when she left, my husband said, Okay, that's the third sister. I think you're right. I think you are the quiet one. God makes us all very different to accomplish different different purposes. Some people take that meek and quiet, that women are to have a meek and quiet spirit. They take that to mean like a wallflower almost, very quiet. Don't raise your voice above a whisper. Let me ask you this. Could you get your children out of bed for school if you only talked like this? No, you could not. So when it says a meek and quiet spirit, it doesn't mean just talking like this all of the time. I have a friend who talks like that all of the time. And I think she must have been trained that that is the meek and quiet spirit. So every once in a while, just to shake her up, I go, huh? What'd you say? That's not what meek and quiet means. It just means a calming spirit as opposed to getting worked up over everything is what that meek and quiet spirit means. Now, I know you're probably like me. I can get worked up. If it's something that really matters, I can get worked up. And you have no doubt what I'm thinking. I try to keep it within the reins of godliness. Try to. And Miss Amy told us this morning, we can't blame it on Aunt Martha. Is that who it was? Can't blame it on that, and I'm past that now, so I have nobody to blame it on. (laughs) Um... But you all know when you're cleaning house, you have some cleaners that are just abrasive. And they will tear up everything. So you have to be really careful what you use it on. Uh, You might scrub a pan with steel wool, but I doubt you're going to take that to your porcelain sink or toilet and scrub it because it would tear that up. Well, the same thing happens with personalities and attitudes. Some people have an abrasive-type personality where everything they touch, their attitude just kind of scratches it all up and irritates, okay, while other people have a non-abrasive personality, and they tend to not offend anybody. Somewhere in the middle right there is probably where we should land. Some people are scratchy and cutting. We should be looking for calming. One of my favorite passages, if you'll flip back to Psalm 131 for just a moment, if you mark in your Bible, 
I try to make this my life's goal. Psalm 131, look at verses 1 and 2. It says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Look at verse 2. It's very convicting, ladies. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. I have behaved and quieted myself the Bible says. So when I find myself wanting to get worked up over something, watching the news does it for me. Um, I thought it would be better this year. It's not. Um, for, for different reasons than last year. But I remind myself to calm myself and behave myself while I'm watching the news. I did find a quote the other day that said this. In the history of the world, women's world anyway, Nobody has ever calmed down by being told to calm down. (laughs) If you were having an argument with your husband and he said, just calm down, what would happen to you? Calm down? Are you kidding me? So nobody ever calms down just by being told to calm down. However, we have now seen it in the Word of God (laughs) to calm ourselves down. There are things that tend to rub us the wrong way if people are certain ways. Or if we are certain way, we are rubbing other people the wrong way. And I'm just going to list them for you. There are five of them. They all start with I. If we are, or if they are, immature, it will get your attitude going in the wrong direction. If somebody is immature, we could spend a lot of time on there, but you all know what immaturity looks like. We won't have you call names of family or friends, but you all know what it looks like. Or if somebody is incompetent, if somebody's incompetent. I was so amused by the skit that we just had because it is so true. Do you ever go to places of business and you think, how did they get this job? I don't understand that. I was at Walmart a while back and their computers had gone down, you know, which means when you start to check out, it's going to be a chore to check out. So they're having to do all of the math in their head at Walmart. Walmart is part of my spiritual training program. When I go in there... So I just had to run in and grab something, I don't know, mince gum, something like that. It was something not expensive because it was only 87 cents, and I gave the cashier a dollar, and I spent 87 cents, and she couldn't figure out what my change would be, and I said, it would be 13 cents, and she said, are you sure? And I really wanted to ask her how she got that job. And I was really grateful I didn't have my mother with me that time because she had already set the other cashier in order before. But incompetence. Insensitive. If somebody is insensitive, it makes our attitude go the wrong direction. Monica and I worked in the school office. We have dragged Monica around from pillar to post because she can do anything. She's incredible at everything she does. Um, I hate that you're not hearing her. She's back there. I said, Monica, I should teach the teenagers. You come and do this. But um, she and I worked in the school office for one year, just in a transition period, together. Now, not bragging, but I did help co-found the school, as Mrs. Brown said. All of the handbooks, I have typed them all. I know everything in there. But somehow for that whole year, nobody thought I knew anything. 
So every time they asked something, they would say, uh, could we speak to Monica? She knows about this. I said, okay, Monica, you're going to have to... People just are insensitive sometimes. I, I didn't mind Monica at all doing that. I had one lady tell me one time she wanted to know about the demerit system. It was a parent, and she said, uh, after I was explaining it to her, she said, really, I need to talk to somebody who knows more about this place than you do. I said, okay, just a minute. I'll see if I can find somebody. <laughs> but people are insensitive, and sometimes our attitudes kind of take a detour or a dive, depending on who says what. Some people are just inconsiderate. I had this one lady tell me one time, she said, oh, I really, I really enjoyed you because you're so homey. No, she said homely. She said, you're so homely, is what she said. And I thought she probably meant homey. I was hoping she meant just down to earth, you know. She said, you're just so homely. And so I thought, homely, homey, homely and homey. I thought, is that the same thing? I'm not sure. So I went and looked up the word homely. And this is what it said. Plain, unattractive, and undesirable. Okay, so some people can just rub us the wrong way if they're inconsiderate, and then some people are just impossible. Can I just tell you, some people are just impossible. That's your last I. My mom has all kinds of famous sayings, but one of hers is, why just be difficult when with a little effort you can be totally impossible? (laughs) That's so true. You could take this to another level. But there are three things that we have to do really to get our attitude in check and keep it going the right direction. And the first thing is swallow that pride. Swallow that pride. Have you ever held your nose to swallow your medicine? Okay. The next time you feel your attitude going awry, just hold your nose and think, swallow that pride, because I can guarantee your pride will be involved. Uh, Proverbs 6.16 says this, These six things doth the Lord hate, and then it goes on. A proud look is the first thing. Proverbs 13.10, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 8.13, God says, pride and arrogancy do I hate. If I didn't know money were the root of all evil, I would think it's probably pride, and maybe that goes back and they're combined somehow. I think sometimes when I'm praying to the Lord, I've thought it so many times, and we say, Lord, you're worthy. It always comes to my mind, who am I to say that he's worthy? I'm not even worthy to make that call for him, even though we know that he's worthy. Um, But we let our pride get in the way. We just have to swallow that down. Uh, you may think, oh, I'm not proud. I'm not one of those nose-in-the-air kind of people. And you aren't. You all look like wonderful Christian ladies. But I'm going to give you a little test, and you just put the checks in the box, boxes there. If any of this applies to you, okay, did you get dressed in front of a mirror this morning? Why did you do that? Is it because you care what people think how you look? We do. We should all, I'm not, I'm not fussing about this. We should all dress in front of a mirror every morning. It's a saying in my family. I tell my girls all the time, we see some people out sometimes, and I say, the problem is they need a full-length mirror at home. <laughs> That's what they need. We're all guilty of that. Okay. What about this? Have you ever enjoyed knowing something that, somebody, that nobody else knows? Have you ever enjoyed knowing something that nobody else knows? And you may, you may think, oh, I don't really recall doing that. But we are very prone, all of us are very prone, just because it's human nature, to call somebody up and say, have you heard? And you know what we're hoping? We're hoping they didn't. 
because we want to tell it first, you know. And now Facebook tells it all. You can just get on there and find out everybody's business. Uh, I always think with Facebook and all the social media things, if whatever we did, we did to the glory of God, wouldn't that just fix so many situations these days? Okay, question number three. Have you ever felt that others can't do things as well as you can? <laughs> hmm. If you're a firstborn, that might be you. Anyway. And number four, I think it is, have you ever felt compelled to give excuses? Well, the reason I'm running late is uh, I have two daughters. Meredith is the older one that's not with me today, and Monica. Monica's the baby of the family, of course. And Meredith, I guess just if you're the firstborn, you know, you're the first child, they think you have to be perfect, and you think if you're not, you have to make an excuse for why you're not perfect. And if it's the same situation, my husband can say something to Meredith. She's married and has her own family. But to this day still, if he says something to her, she's like, Dad, I don't want you to make me think I'm irresponsible. She wants to give an excuse or something like that. She's wonderful and has great traits herself. Monica's the baby of the family. She says, I know. I'm a wretch. Just call me a wretch. That's what I am. That's what I am. Just call me a wretch. It's just different personalities and how we handle things. So maybe depending on your birth order, you may feel like you have to give excuses. But this verse grounds me all the time. There are two verses that ground me, really, from the Bible. And one is that when when Jesus was reviled, he reviled on again. And the other one is, for without me, you can do nothing. That is so true. Uh, And that kind of grounds us. I think Mary had every right to be proud. I mean, Mary, the mother of Jesus, out of all the women, she was going to get to be the one to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah that had long been awaited. I think James, his half-brother, had reason to be proud. I would have been saying, hey, I belong to Jesus. I'm his brother, is what I would have been saying. Instead, James wrote, I'm the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great attitude there. Elizabeth had reason to brag. She was going to be family to the Son of God. And you may think, oh, well, that's no big deal. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have any grandchildren? Do you like bragging on them? Yes, because you're related to them. They're yours. And Elizabeth could have done the same thing. Anna the prophetess had reason to brag. She had reason to be proud. She was the first one to hold Jesus when they took him to church. Have you ever seen the new ladies that bring, I mean, the new babies that come to church and everybody wants to be the first one to hold the baby? Well, Anna was the first one to hold the baby. And apparently she didn't brag. We haven't seen any pictures that she was the first one holding Jesus, but had reason to brag. What about Job? I think about him because he was volunteered by God for what he went through. He was a good man, as Jude evil, it says. He lost everything, yet he sinned not by anything that he said. He was a very good, godly, righteous man. But as the, as the story keeps going, I'm, and, he, and I will say this for him, he's told his friends this, you are also smart that no doubt wisdom is going to die with you. Mm-hmm. So I think he did get a jab in here and there, and apparently God was okay with that. But whenever God spoke out of the whirlwind, Job all of a sudden realized who he was and who God was in a way that he had never realized before. And that's when he brought himself back under control to say, I've heard you with my ears. I've heard of you with my ears, now I've seen you with my eyes, and I know you personally, and I repent in sackcloth and ashes. Please consider that I consider. I know who I am now. His response was so totally different. Um, number two, I have to hurry through this. Die to self. Paul said, I die daily. 
what was the title of the lesson? Oh, yeah, my daily attitude. Because every day, it, it, we depend, it depends on what we do with that. Uh, so many people are taking selfies these days. Okay. I'm not, I'm not faulting you because I've actually taken one before. On a good hair day, it's like, okay, let me take a picture and see what this looks like to show the beautician. How many of you have ever taken a selfie? Okay, we all have. I don't, I don't think we all stand in front of the window or get the lighting right and click, you know, a, a dozen of them or so. I don't think we do that. But everybody's kind of very conscious of self these days. So to die to self is taking extra effort these days than it's ever taken before. Um, it's been said that some people order food at restaurants based on what, it, what will look best on Instagram. That's probably true. You know, um, if we die daily, that means... That, that would be just as if I were to lie down on the altar right here, and you could say anything to me that you want to say. You could tell me my hair is ugly. You could tell me I'm fat. You tell me my children are mean. You know what I would do? If I'm dead, there would be totally no response. So when we talk about dying to self, it would be not responding to what anybody says. Uh, but that would take an attitude that we don't have, and the Lord knows that. He remembers that we're dust and we're going to keep moving. Okay, but that's the idea, to be selfless, not selfish. Um, Linda Hicks is one of my good friends and speaks to ladies, and she gives this illustration about a family sitting around a breakfast table. And the daughter spilled her orange juice, and it ruined her dad's shirt. And he immediately was angry and began to fuss at her. Well, when he began to fuss at her, what do you think she did? She began to cry. And... um, when she started crying, then everything was a wreck. Everybody was upset. She missed her bus to school, so her dad was going to have to take her. He grabbed another shirt. He took off out the door in a huff and dropped her off at school. She was late. He was going to be late for work. Then he realized he had left his briefcase at home. He had to go and get it, which made him even later for work. He was driving too fast to get there, and then he got a speeding ticket. All of this started because she spilled her orange juice. What if you rewound all of that? Back to the beginning of the breakfast table, the daughter spills her orange juice, and the dad just says, oh, next time, be more careful. Let me run grab a shirt. He makes it to work on time with his briefcase. She makes it to school. There's no speeding ticket. It's just an attitude difference. The scenario would be exactly the same from the beginning. It's just what happens after that. So if we just die to self every day, it takes care of so many of the problems. And then number three, make the save. Make the save, Proverbs thirty-one, eleven. the heart of him doth safely trust in her, it says of the virtuous woman, so that he, the husband, shall have no need of spoil. Just make the save. Have you ever hit save on your computer? You learn that early on if you work on computers much. If you don't hit save, you spend an hour or two working on something, the electricity blinks off, and what happens? You lose it. It's awesome to make the save. Save for a rainy day, save face, save the game. I mean, there are so many things where the word save is referred to like that, just saving something. But sometimes we're just grumpy. And too busy saving ourselves to save anybody else. Um, The story is told, uh, and I'll tell it quickly. Can I have two more minutes, you think? Um, uh, By Patricia Digg. uh, And she says, as a child, I was in the public library every Saturday. And every week I checked out the same book year after year. Up I would walk, put that dog-eared book in the return slot, and stand very still until Ruth Setzer, one of the librarians, checked it in. Without a word, she would extend her long arm to me with my treasure at the end of it. I would run back to the children's section until Mama was ready to go. Then I would check it out again and take it back home where it obviously belonged. 
One Saturday, Mrs. Barnett, the head librarian, summoned me to the circulation desk, a formidable walnut fortress. The other librarians gathered around as she handed me a package. Now, she said sweetly, handing me my own copy of the book, we hope you might leave the library's Adventures of Pippi Longstocking here so that other children might read it. When I turned 15, Mrs. Barnett offered me a job working at the circulation desk, that great ship I had hovered in front of every Saturday for years. Ecstatic to be among all those books, I can still hear the sound of the book cart wheels as I rolled through the stacks, just lost in that magical world. One morning, that quiet magic was shattered when an irate woman slammed shut a card catalog drawer and stomped to the desk. This was highly unusual in the Morganton Burke Public Library since there didn't seem to be too much to be angry about. I cannot believe, she fairly hissed, that this library doesn't have any books about psychology. It's an outrage. How dare you call yourselves a library, her voice rang out. Being the only one at the helm at the moment, it was up to me to respond. Timidly, I did. I know I've shelved psychology books before I began, Really, she interrupted. There's none in the card catalog. Zero. Ridiculous. Aren't there any grown-ups who work here? Looking for Monica. No, kidding. (laughs) They're in a meeting right now, I whispered, scared. But I'll help if I can. At that, she stumped back to the card catalog with me trailing meekly behind as Pippi never would have. Where were you looking, I asked. Well, young lady, where on earth do you think I was looking, she answered as she flung open a card drawer. The drawer she had opened was the S drawer. Well, I answered quietly, perhaps we should try the alternate spelling, and I gently moved her to the P drawer. There are a lot of people that should be moved to the P drawer, just saying. Oh. It was a moment of real clarity for me. Helping her save face and retain her dignity as a human being was important, even though and perhaps especially because she had been berating me. She said, I learned this lesson decades later when a lady in front of me, she said um, she was checking out, and the lady in front of her obviously was a poor young lady, and she um, had just a fatty piece pack of meat that she was trying to get, and she was a dollar and seven cents too short. But... This lady that had learned the secret to saving face back at the library, she said, I just, you know, stooped down, picked up a $5 bill that she actually had dropped, you know, that the lady with the Pippi Longstocking book had dropped. She said, I just picked it up and I handed it to the lady and said, you must have dropped this. And she said, no, that can't possibly be mine. And um, Patricia Diggs says, well, it's not mine either, so I guess this is just your lucky day. She said, I'm so glad I learned the art of saving face and saving someone's dignity way back when I was 15 years old. Really and truly, our attitudes make such a difference in so many lives. I thought about when Amy was talking about her daughter putting her head on her shoulders. Our first words in the morning, our last words in the evening, it just sets the stage for the whole day and the whole night. If we could just get that under control of the Holy Spirit, how much better everybody's world would be. Thank you so much.